Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Welcome again. It really is so amazing to be able to gather together like this, to be able to gather as church. You know, we so often say that you are the church, and that is so true. You and I individually are the church, but none of us individually are the church. We become the church when we gather together in the name of Jesus. The church is not individuals. The church is the gathering, the collective coming together of the followers of Jesus. And that's so proven. I love that we can do this today. I've been just so invigorated this whole week, just thinking that we can gather together with our funny social distancing rules, with all of the masks, and some of you have got some really stylish masks going on. And it's just great that we get together in this way. For those of us who are joining over Zoom, it's great having you with us. We so wish that you would be able to be in this hall with us today, but we understand you can't. And I know some of you are going to be watching on YouTube just a little bit later as well. Welcome. We've been praying for you, and we know God is going to speak to you and work in your hearts today as well. I've been challenged in this week just about the fact, just tying into what Earth shared with us, that we have a Father, and that we are people of faith. As believers, we are meant to be people of faith. It's the one thing that, that marks us, that changes us is that when we enter into a place of faith that we don't follow Jesus only because, like Thomas, we were able to put our hands in the wounds. Yes, there is that. We know that there is scientifically verifiable evidence that Jesus rose from the grave. We know that it's true, but there's an element of faith as well. And we choose to follow Him. We are no longer slaves of fear. That We are children of God, and we believe that. That it's faith defines us and faith changes us. And even in this last week, I've been challenged and thinking around how every single opportunity or every single circumstance is an opportunity for us to evaluate our faith. It's an opportunity for us potentially to grow our faith. It's an opportunity for our faith to be challenged, to be tested, to be revealed. And so I just wanted just for a moment, just very quickly to think in these last four months since lockdown started, can you believe that? Four months since we've had our last church service. What has this last four months revealed to you about the state of your faith? Has your faith grown in these last four months? Have you drawn closer to Christ? Do you hold on to Him more? Do you trust Him more? Do you believe Him more? This coronavirus, the the lockdown and everything around it has brought so much to the fore in our own lives. Questions around purpose and what am I here to do? Questions around financial provision. What if my business cannot pay me? Some of us even here today, we haven't been able to receive our salaries for the last few months or partial salaries. Some here have had to change jobs and have lost jobs and corona Even though the the virus wasn't directly responsible for it, the circumstances around it have brought that to the fore. Our relationships, our commitment to the people around us, our participation in church, 
our relationship with our family members, all of that has been strained and highlighted by the reality of corona and the lockdown. What has lockdown shown you about your faith? In this time, are you able to say more now than four months ago that Jesus really is enough? Are we able to say that? Some of us I know would be, and some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, would say, I've been distracted. I've realized that there are areas in my life where I don't believe that Jesus is enough. There are some lies that I have perhaps bought into that Jesus, isn't, Jesus and will be enough. But Jesus by himself, I, my faith, I, I'm not quite sure if it's there yet. And so this morning, I want to encourage all of us that God is okay with that. One of my favorite moments in Scripture is where the disciples look at Jesus and they say, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. And that's a great prayer to be praying. God, I want to grow in my faith. I fully believe that's part of God's purpose and God's plan for you, that you would grow in faith. That you would continue to grow in faith. And I love the fact that we are never going to have our faith perfected on this type side of eternity. We are forever going to be growing in faith. And so with that as just a little bit of a background, I want us to read from Philippians chapter 4. It's Paul writing in the context specifically of finance here and support and people looking after him, providing finances for the um, ministry. And just on that, I want to say thank you to all of you here and those who are Zooming in. Thank you for your continued giving. We really appreciate it that we can continue to do ministry because you continue to give faithfully. We've had to buy some new technological toys to be able to stream like today, and we need one or two more things. We've even realized this morning, and just from my side, apologies for the sound challenges during the worship, and perhaps even now we're figuring out how new, the new stuff is, is working. So thank you for your grace around that. But Paul writes here in Philippians, and he says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again, and specifically within a financial context. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. But last, as most of us probably know, most of us have probably quoted, and if you're like me, you've quoted it completely out of context. It's so easy to forget that Jesus here is talking about surviving financial realities. And challenges. That's why he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. God is able to provide just a little bit in the same chapter. God is able to provide according to all of our need. In all of our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying such a, a beautiful phrase here. He says, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I've titled the sermon this morning, Always learn. Because unlike Paul, I have not yet learned how to be content in every state. 
But what I do find myself is I find myself learning. In these last few weeks, I've just been challenged around this idea of contentment. Am I happy? Am I satisfied with that which God has given? Or is there this longing for more? And there's an element of, and then the wording here is, I haven't quite figured it out, so let me just explain a little bit so you don't miss what I'm trying to say. There is something I believe that God puts in our heart that we want to grow, that we want to progress in life. There is something in us, perhaps if you're here and, and you're a bachelor or a spinster and you'd love to get married, and you, there's something with God. I would love for that to be added to my life. But that's different to being discontented, with being unhappy. There's one thing with knowing God that there is so much more that you can add. I want to grow in my career. I want to grow in my capacity as a husband and as a father. I want to grow in my ability to serve in church and to make disciples. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about here a state of the heart where we get discontented. We get unhappy. We get frustrated with that which God brings into our life. And I know for many of us, for me in, in this lockdown period, this has been such a challenge. Am I content with the status where I find myself in? Have I learned to be happy within this situation? Have I learned to find God? Am I, can I go to bed at night and, like Paul here, say, I've learned to be content with whatever I have? Or is there this yearning for more? We don't have a, a lot of time this morning, but I do want us just briefly to look at the people of Israel on their way to their promised land. We start in Exodus chapter 14, and just a bit of background, they've been slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt, and God has raised up somebody to set them free. His name is Moses. And so Moses comes, and he speaks to Pharaoh, and then the ten plagues and the whole thing Eventually, the people of Israel are released from slavery by Pharaoh. As Pharaoh releases them, kind of he realizes, and he says, oh, what have I done? What have I done? I, I need my slaves back. And he sends his army to go and fetch the people of Israel. And that's where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 14. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Can we just pause there for a moment? There is something about the state of our heart of the people of Israel here that I hope and pray God would remove from all of us. God comes and he works mightily in their midst to set them free from Pharaoh. And their first response, we're going to die. Their first response is, we're going to die. Just this morning, literally just this morning, God sent an angel of destruction throughout the people of Egypt and killed all of the firstborn in the land. That happened this morning. We've run away from Pharaoh, and now we're worried that God is not strong enough to protect us here. It is amazing how quickly doubt enters into our hearts. 
And so this morning as I'm speaking, I'm wanting to speak just as a recap again from God and trusting God to continue to stir faith in our hearts. To learn from the people of Israel. To look at their lives and say, God, but maybe I'm inclined, inclined to, die, to, die, to doubt by dusk after you've moved powerfully at dawn. By dusk already my faith is gone. God, help me to stir faith. Grow my faith, Lord God. I don't want to be like the Israelites who just after you've worked miraculously in our lives, I'm immediately doubting your ability again. Verse 13, Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. Isn't that one of the hardest forms of deliverance for us? Is the deliverance where God asks us, you have only to be silent. The incredible, the great salvation that God wants to work in your life, a part of it requires you to be silent. I see this with my children all the time, and they're probably watching this. I hope they're watching this, and they can hear that I only say good things about them because I love them, but they fight sometimes. And one of the hardest things for them to do is when they begin to fight, or when one of the, just the three girls, when one of the sisters begins to fight, pushes one of the other's buttons, one of the hardest things for them to do is to walk away. Just to walk away. To, I'm, I'm not going to engage with this fight. And that isn't only true for little children. That's true for most of us as adults. We want to engage. And just once again, a disclaimer. God isn't always going to speak to us to stand be still, to keep silent. There is a time when he calls us to march around Jericho and to shout. There is a time when he calls us to engage. But there is a time when he calls us to step back. And I've realized that for my faith is hard. Because that is the time when I really have to trust God. God, I'm not going to do anything. Because you're asking me not to do it, which means, God, you have to do everything, God. And it's easier for me if I just do a little something. God, even if you do most of the work, it's just easier to trust you if I'm doing a little bit something. Because, let's all be honest, I really trust myself. But God, I don't really know if I trust So God, if you leave the, that one crucial little element to me, I'll take care of that, and God, you can do the rest. And yet God comes to us just like he does to the people of Israel here, and he says, you have only to be silent. You have only to be silent. And so I wonder what stirs in our hearts when we hear that, is it? God, I am excited. God, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch you do this incredible miracle. Or is it, Jesus, I don't really know if you can do this. God, I don't, I don't really know, God, if you can provide for me financial. God, I don't really know if you can save my company, God. I don't really know if you can heal my family member. God, I don't really know if you can fill in the blank for your life. God, I don't really know. My prayer is that we would grow, that we would learn, that we would say, God, I'm willing, I've got, I'm content, God, I trust that you can. God, I'm happy with what I've got because enough is enough. 
thought about calling it for the calling this message enough is enough you know so often we use that sort of as enough is enough the end is here enough is enough but how about we think of enough is enough in terms of contentment enough god has given me enough and that's enough is enough enough in our lives and so these people of israel they get set free they quiet Moses leads them, and there's this incredible salvation that happens at the Red Sea. And then they go through the Red Sea, and now they're heading towards this promised land. And they're hungry, and they pray, and God provides every single morning when they wake up, except on the Sabbath, they wake up and they go, and there is the stuff lying on the ground. And I love God's sense of humor in the way that kind of this whole thing happens. They pray, they say they're hungry. God says, I'll give you food. Tomorrow morning, I wake up and there's the stuff lying on the ground. And because I've got little kids, I know they're up early. And what probably happened is the little kids have gone out and they're playing. And they've collected the stuff. And they bring it to the adults and they go, what? And so they call it what? Manna is just the Egyptian word. Interesting, not the Israelite word, but what? They've lived in Egypt for 400 years. There's a lot of Egyptian in their vocabulary. And the kids come and the kids are just like, what? And so from now on, it's called what? Manna. What? And every morning, what is on the ground? And every morning, they collect what and they eat what? And in the middle of the desert, every single day, they've got an abundance of food. What we also, we didn't read here, when they left Egypt, they left with a large part of the wealth of Egypt. They left with masses of gold, with livestock. They had plenty with them. And what's their response here in Exodus 21? And the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor. This is where they met with God, and God had been speaking to them and giving them law. And verse 4, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. And they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt once again to die here in the wilderness? They have just a couple of days earlier had these incredible miracles. God's delivered them from Egypt, slavery. Then he's delivered them from the armies of Egypt to come and attack them at the Red Sea. And now they're already saying, God, we're going to die in the wilderness again. They complain. And then they say, there is nothing to eat here. Just wait a minute. They've got what on the ground every single day. And they've got these piles of livestock or herds or whatever you would call it of livestock that they're herding that's traveling with them. And watch this. And we hate this horrible manner. We hate this horrible manner. Some of the word for word translations would say our souls loathe this worthless How wonder you and me sometimes, how do we respond to God's provision in our lives? Do we look at it like Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever state I am. There's what on the ground every morning. I love this manna because it's God's provision in my life. Or do we respond a little bit like the Israelites who are simply saying, I hate this food. It's not good enough for me, God. I'm not content, God, with this which you're bringing us. 
And there's this tension in, in most of our hearts and in most of our lives. And even as we're hearing this, I'm, I know some of us are being pulled and we're aware that there are areas in our lives where we respond more like the Israelites. But yet our heart wants to respond more like Paul. And that's what I love about the grace of God. I love about the Spirit of God. He works that in our hearts and in our lives. We're traveling towards the promised land. There where you are now, what is the promised land that you are traveling towards? What are those areas? What is it that you know God has spoken to you about that you are traveling towards there? What are some of your faith challenges along the way? What are the areas where you are being asked and questions and doubting, has God provided enough? Has God made a way? Or am I going to die here in the wilderness? question I want to encourage you to go and meditate on during this week. Is there any part of God's provision that you have despised? Is there any part of God's provision that you look at and say, God, my soul loathes this worthless bread, this provision. God, I hate this horrible bread. Or are we a little bit where Paul is? God, there's bread on the floor for me every morning, Jesus. I have learned in every state to be content. We are continually learning. And then in closing, I want us just to just take this thought and just throw it out just a little bit further because for most of us probably, and it's not necessarily bad or wrong, when we thought about the promised land, we thought about something here on this earth. We thought about something that God wants to do through us, in us, somewhere where he is taking us in this life. And that is right, that is true. I love how David also writes, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God wants you to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's very much part of God's plan and his purpose for you. But I also believe that God's promised land is not on this earth. His ultimate promised land is a new heaven and a new earth. And for us as Christians, I want to just encourage as we read Exodus 21 again, which just maybe that there's a promised land that is awaiting us that is beyond this earth. Read it within that context for a moment. The people of Israel set out from Mount Har, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, but they grew impatient with a long journey. Sometimes I grow impatient with a long journey to get to heaven. They began to speak against God and Moses, and I get upset with God and the leaders on this earth because we're not in heaven yet. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? I'm going to die here on this earth. Maybe I don't have real faith about a resurrection, and I'm just worried about dying here on There is nothing to eat here and there's nothing to drink. God, I don't have enough in this earth. And I hate this provision that you bring for me in this earth. During lockdown, I've been just praying and meditating a lot about eternity. Eternity. That in a sense, we're locked down on this earth for 50, 60, 70, 80, however long it might be years. Such a small moment in the light of eternity that there are things on this earth that we cannot do because of this earth. 
that there are relationships that God would have us enter into that we cannot on this earth. That there is a knowledge of Him that we would love to know, but we cannot on this earth. And then Hebrews 13 verse 14 is so encouraging in this regard. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. For this world is our desert. Yes, we've been bought free from the slavery, the bondage. Christ died for us. He became the Passover lamb. He made it possible for us to live and to be set free from sin. But for the rest of our lives here on earth, we are largely going to be in the desert. In an eternal sense. We're coming out of slavery and it's so easy to, like these Israelites, look back and say, slavery was better. Slavery was better. Living under the Egyptian rule was better. And yet there's faith that arises in our heart that says, no, no, no. There is a promised land that waits. There is a promised land that waits. There is a home that waits that is beyond this earth, that we are in this desert for a time. But it's because God is taking us somewhere. He's taking us away from the sin. He's taking us away from the slavery. He's taking us away from the bondage. He's taking us to a life, to a land, and the expression is flowing with milk and honey. A place that he has and is preparing for us in heaven. He says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. I go and I prepare a place for you. God is preparing and has prepared a place for you. Similarly, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9. We're going to close with this. I'm going to ask our team here to pass the elements of communion around. For those of you who are Zooming, to go and collect your own elements. Perhaps if you're tubing. You can just pause it and just get the elements of communion, and we're going to partake of that in just a moment. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. That's a strange statement for Paul to make right, make right there. He's saying this within the context of the resurrection. He's saying this within the context of God has risen from the grave and we will be risen from the death of this earth. Either he's going to come and fetch us or we're going to die and then he's going to, we're going to be raised from the grave into eternity with him. But it's interesting what he says here. He says, if this whole Jesus thing, if we're measuring it based just on this earth, that's a pretty raw deal. That's a strong thing for Paul to say. He's saying it, we are to be pitied if Jesus and our hope in Christ is only for this earth. And for those of us who have been following Christ, that's a hard thing to say because, you know, what we have in this earth in Christ to me is so amazing. Even if it was just about this earth, I would still think it's worth it. And yet Paul says, if it was just that, we should be pitied. And he says, no. He says our hope in Christ is about so much more than this earth. Our hope in Christ is about so much more than this desert, this place of struggle we find ourselves in from time to time, this place where we're wrestling with contentment. When I hear the land flowing with milk and honey, and I'm not sure if this is completely accurately correct, but a part of me thinks that I'm not really going to struggle with contentment there because I'm going to have everything I want. The contentment issue is only an issue in the desert. 
It's only an issue where there's stuff that I, I don't need. I don't think I'm going to struggle with being content in heaven. I really hope and pray that I'm not going to struggle with being content in heaven. But that in heaven, we will have more than enough. That in heaven, enough will be enough. That we are passing through a desert. We're heading towards a promised land and we are going to have, I trust and pray in all of our lives, glimpses of that promised land here on this earth. Be able to taste some of the fruit of the promised land. Be able to experience some of God's goodness that He's prepared for us in the promised land. He says that's a large part of the role of the Spirit in our lives. It's a taste of that which is to come in eternity. But the promised land is still coming. And the challenge for me in, in my life, what I'm encouraged by, by God, and challenged by at the same time, is not to grow despondent along the way. Not to be like the people of Israel who grew impatient along the journey. But to rather like Paul, to be able to say, I have learned it. Maybe like me, I am learning. I haven't quite figured this out, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning how not to have enough. And for some of us, I'm, I'm learning what it's like to have enough. Some of us have never had enough in our lives before. And now we have enough, and that's just weird. That's challenging our faith. And Paul's speaking about both of them. He says, I'm learning what it's like to have enough. I'm also learning what it's like to not have enough. And I'm okay with both. I'm okay with the lack, and I'm okay with the abundance. I have learned, he says, in every state that I am, to be content. Thank you, Monica. I have learned, perhaps like me, I'm still learning. And hopefully I'm continually learning. Hopefully I am always learning. And so this morning I want us to take a moment and celebrate the, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. His body, which was broken, this is such, if you look at the Passover, it's exactly what it is, the people of Israel being set free. And we're reminded the lamb was slain, his body was broken, and the blood was painted on the doorpost so that the angel of destruction, the angel of death, would not go into those homes. And that's what this blood represents, the blood of Christ, which was shed to spare us from the angel of destruction. And so this morning, what, we'd like to, what I'd like us to do is I'm going to pray for us and we're going to eat and drink together. And then John's going to put those of you in Zoom and breakout groups again. And I want you to take a few moments and just talk through this. What are some of the faith challenges that you are facing in your life? Are there some areas in your life where you realize that you're not content or you've grown discontented? God, enough isn't enough for me and that's wrong because your enough should be enough. Perhaps there's some areas where you've grown to despise God's provision. And then let's take a few moments and be the church around those elements. Pray about them. Say, God, would you help us to grow? God, thank you that you did not send your son into the world to condemn the world, but so that we, through you, might be saved.
So come and save us from our discontentment. Come and save us from our disillusionment. Come and save us from our lack of faith. Jesus, would you come and do that in our midst? So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning I thank you, God. I thank you that your word is living and powerful and sharper than any two widgets. I want to thank you that your word is faithful to always stir in our hearts. And Jesus, that you are faithful to always lead us. Even this morning, we lift up our eyes to the promised land. We look forward to that home which is to come. Just like the author in Hebrews, Lord, we realize that this world is not our permanent home, but we're looking forward to a home that is yet to come. And as we're headed there, Lord, as we're on the way there, we pray that our faith would grow, that our faith would increase, that our, our faith would be stirred, that we may hold on to you, Jesus, that we may look to you, that we may trust you. Jesus, we thank you for your body which was broken. You set us free from the sin and the slavery of Egypt. And God, we pray that we may never look down and may never despise your deliverance in our lives because your body is enough. Lord Jesus, similarly, your blood is enough. Just as your body was broken. And Father, even as I just say that, I want to pray for every single person in our midst, Lord, who is sick, whether corona or anything else. God, I pray that the healing power of that broken body would just touch their bodies right now in Jesus' name. That you would heal, that you would restore, that you, Jesus, would make whole. And Jesus, thank you for your blood, which was shed to wash away our sins. Thank you that even this morning, God, we can take your blood and we can paint it on the doorposts of our hearts and our lives and know that your blood is enough to keep us safe, Lord Jesus. That you are not leading us into the wilderness that we may die there, but you are leading us into the wilderness because that is the route to the promised land. And so we want to fix our eyes on your promises for us. We want to hold on to your promises here in this life and the life that is to come. And put all of our hope and all of our faith in you, Jesus. Let's drink together. There's so much in the story that I haven't been able to unpack. And if you haven't yet, I want to encourage you to join us for Bible school. It starts on Tuesday evening over Zoom. All of you are able to to join, and we would love to have you there, virtually, and I know there have been constraints in the past for some of you getting to Tuesday evening Bible schools, Tuesday evening over Zoom, you probably don't have something else going on at a Tuesday evening at the moment, you're at home, we would love to have you join us for Bible school, it's going to be an amazing growth in your faith, here in the hall you guys can just as you prayed together earlier, just turn to one another again and maybe just share a few thoughts around this message and the same for those of you on Zoom. John is going to put you in, in breakout rooms and there you guys can share and pray together. And then when you're done, thank you so much for having been with us. We're not going to gather together and say a goodbye again. God bless you. Have a phenomenal week. I pray that he continues to breathe hope and life and faith over you. Bless you.
Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.